listeners, welcome to another episode of Filmed in Canada. This is a podcast about Canadian movies. I'm William Lee, and uh, Alexander is away this week, so I've asked uh, my good friend, a uh, fan of the show, uh, actor, general funny guy, graphic artist, and a man who's always ready for the summer. <laughs> Am I ready for the summer? I hope you're ready for the good times. I'm ready for the good times, William. So, uh, so thanks for joining me. This is Adam Abrams. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Today we're talking about uh, Meatballs from 1979. Uh, it's the uh, third feature by director Ivan Reitman. Ah, what, um, what were his first two? Oh, that's that's. that's we'll we'll look that up. Read yeah. it. Read it. One of them is uh, the one before was Cannibal Girls, I believe. Oh, <laughs> so this was his first really like mainstream hit. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was like the first one that would general be audience for a general hit. audience. Yeah. Uh, interesting factoid, which yeah. I uncovered on uh, on Wikipedia. Love Wikipedia. Is uh, so Ivan Reitman and Daniel Goldberg, they were involved in a movie called... I, I could have written it down. Could have written it down. I could have written it down. You but know, but that okay. would take extra efforts. So. Okay, let's just say they were involved in... They were involved in a, in a low-budget movie. Low-budget. Uh, of the erotic genre. Ah, uh, yes. Well, you know, well, they give the people what they want. Uh, I believe they were producers of it. Okay. They were actually prosecuted and were the first <gasps> to be um, to be convicted under no Canada's obscenity <laughs> <laughs> no way! And oh they God. they each paid a fine of like three hundred dollars or something, <laughs> <laughs> like a ticket, like like an obscenity ticket. Yeah. So so Ivan <laughs> oh Reitman uh, uh, from uh, unintentional Canadian pornographer He's to director of Meatballs, and after this he would make Stripes and Ghostbusters. Yes, indeed. So which uh, we just saw again. We had that deja vu yes. experience, sort of. With yeah, the new one. Yeah, let's. Well, uh, if you don't mind, let's start off with uh, your reaction to uh, the new Ghostbusters. I I'd haven't seen it. it, but okay. Um, well, I. I, I, I hesitate because now there will be spoilers galore, but you know, okay, well, it's you, not really. But I think so much if, has been said about it that I, I don't think anyone would be surprised by. I mean, frankly, these, these guys, guys, they fight some ghosts. There's a big bad ghost. They, Except now that these guys are girls, right? Uh, yes, guys, gals, yeah. Ghostbusters. And then at the end, you know, do they do they survive and triumph? And is there a happy ending at the end of Ghostbusters? I don't want to spoil anything, but, you know, frankly, there's not. In that sense, there's nothing to worry about for spoilers. Right, it's, it all yeah. goes but you're, but entertainingly you, because well. Because you're you're a longtime fan of Ghostbusters. I'm a super the fan. I'm a super fan. I think I probably qualify as, if not a super fan, a near super fan. Because uh, I don't. Will you tell me if this if this qualifies me? What, what level of Ghostbuster fandom it qualifies me as? I back in uh, a year, maybe a year or two, I guess, after the original came out, <clears throat> and I was in art school at the time down in in, uh, in Oakland, San Francisco, California, and I somehow found the time to make hand make for myself a Ghostbuster costume complete with uh, the proton pack. And it was uh, glued together from an agglomeration of various cans and shapes and things onto, and I, I put a lot of effort into it in you know, the, the planter base and I spray painted it all black, wires, lights on the back, the whole thing and straps like uh, uh, backpack straps. And, and I still have this thing and a flight suit from the army surplus store. And I, I sewed my own Spengler badge that looks exactly like uh, what uh, Harold Ramis wears in the, in the original film. I even and I mean this is not what you you could not get like a million Ghostbuster things that's you know now but mm -hmm. then it was very scarce it wasn't like marketing like that so I sewed my own Ghostbuster patch to put on the shoulder on my shoulder like the logo I did it by hand. Wow, what was your reference in piecing this together this handcrafted costume? Yeah, well there was no internet or YouTube to and freeze framing things but I um, I went by the po I had a poster basically I had a poster and there were some you know images of the costumes uh, that they're wearing that are that were you know. Detailed enough, you could pretty much see see everything, and uh, just photo reference, really. And uh, it was pretty amazing. So I went out in that on the Halloween one year, and then when Ghostbusters Two came out, I rough I helped my friend put together a very similar uh, costume for himself. It wasn't quite as detailed, I guess, as mine. But then we both attended the opening of Ghostbusters Two mm -hmm. as Ghostbusters. People thought we were like from the movie company or something, and you know, <laughs> we're you know marching around. And I remember walking around. Actually, before that, the first time, I just remember walking around. I think on Halloween day in the costume. And getting that first taste of improv, sort of, you know, on the street kind of an improv experience of like being a character essentially and walking around and, and just acting as if I just am a Ghostbuster and waving to people. And that's exactly what I did for the uh, for the new one. Okay, so you went I, opening night? I uh, did. I want, oh, you know, when you become a family man and you're not, you know, 20 and running around in, in art school, you have, there's other considerations. So, yeah, Friday night, couldn't do it. Saturday night, I had another booking, I couldn't do it. But, I wound up doing it Sunday afternoon. And you know what? In Vancouver, 
Nobody goes to a movie on Sunday afternoon. Then so that's the perfect time. It was the perfect time, but it was not the perfect time to interact with a big mob of Ghostbuster fans lined up, which oh, would have been okay. the ideal. I meant it's the perfect time for someone who's antisocial like me. Who yeah, you would have been perfect. People. Whereas yeah. for me, it was it was a bit of a disaster, but it wasn't because then I thought, well, I'll go where the crowds are. So I walked up to Robson Street and mm -hmm. I walked around, and you know, again referencing the original film. I headed for the big hotels, the art gallery. Uh, yeah, that's kind of Ghostbusters too. And warned people. I said going into the art gallery, uh, it gives you great bravery. I find when you're in a costume too, like you just become somebody else. So you can and you have con that confidence, and it's fun to do that. You know, I mean, you almost you have to, otherwise it just doesn't work. So I just walked up to people, and they were all smiling and they loved it. I mean, I brought smiles to everybody pretty much, and people were yelling out, "Hey, Ghostbuster!" and Told someone going into the art gallery, you know, be very careful. There's been some reports of ectoplasmic activity, some paintings coming to life, but uh, I've checked it out, and you know, we we should be safe. And, you know, very <laughs> deadpan, and it just people loved it. People loved it, and I, I loved it. So, oh, that's great. That's great great. fun. So that's that's very noble to spread joy. And yes, that. and you know, be a bit of a show off. I mean, let's yeah. face it. Your, so your costume from uh, mid '80s still fits. Yes, still fits. It today. fits me. Wow. And uh, I've you know, I luckily I'm I'm still a skinny guy and. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I know it's fantastic. And, yeah. I said earlier that I hadn't yet seen the new Ghostbusters, right. but I've—I uh, mean, I've been hearing some comments about it. I've, I've uh, read some articles yeah. about it. Yeah. Now, one of the things I heard was that the villain is is sort of a, um, a, a reference to like a super fan, um, a, a kind of super nerd type person who takes things very seriously. Right? Who, who becomes obsessive? You could about say that. Something. I didn't get that necessarily, but I mean, I, I often miss stuff, so I mean, that could have been the intention. I mean, he he was just a guy who is uh, obsessed with the dark times. He sort of wants to bring on a, a, an apocalyptic scenario to kind of cleanse the world of all the you know bad people, which is like most people except for him, I think, pretty much. And so he's setting off these various traps to sort of get ghosts to appear and, and cause chaos. And you know, but I didn't necessarily see him as a Ghostbuster super fan. Although I and the the guy who was more of a Ghostbuster super fan, perhaps, was the cab driver, who turns out to have been Dan Aykroyd's cameo, and I didn't even catch that it was him. But he knows a lot. He's a cabbie who knows a lot about various levels of this is you know level five ghost, <laughs> and and the end he says, well, you know, I I've been driving this cab a long time, and I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> they worked. They very nicely worked in a lot of references, uh, quite uh, seamlessly, and, and in a nice tribute way to the original, oh, okay. while being their own film. Yeah, so you enjoyed it. You enjoyed I enjoyed it, but it you know it was sort of it was not terrible and it was not great. It wasn't like the movie I had hoped it would be that would really just own its its own take on the story. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit I felt a little bit lacking in in kind of character development, frankly. And you get the sense of who these people are in their relationship, but it's very sketched in, and a lot of it is just about the humor of um, the. Uh, Things they're saying, their banter, and their somewhat sort of um, non sequitur little bits of you know, comments to each other, and, and I mean that's all funny, but uh, it just it felt a little bit. I didn't, it didn't quite have the uh, didn't quite reach for you know the uniqueness and, and the engagement in a sense with these people, although you know you like them, but it's it wasn't quite there in the same way. I felt um, there were certainly some great moments. And uh, I don't remember her name, but uh, the one who's the most like Dan Aykroyd, somewhat a nerdy science-oriented character in the original. And they're not really copies of the, in any way of, you know, character for character to the original Ghostbusters. But she is the most, uh, I should look up her name. Um, Kate. Kate. Uh, yeah, Kate. She like was great. I have to say, she, she had, just had a quality about her. This I'm, manic sort of yeah. joyous quality, but and, uh, just whatever she did, whether she was just reacting to stuff, I just she seems to be the most polarizing of. of the is cast. she really? I don't know what's going on out there. Well, I've heard I've heard lots of reviews that love her, and 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 lots of reviews that say she's uh, the most knowing thing. Of the one who licks her her gun before she yeah. shoots. I mean, she does some crazy <laughs> things, but no, to my mind, she had a great energy and a and like a, a, that indefinable sort of magnetism of like you just don't know what she's going to do next, and she has this. Just a very magnetic quality. I just loved watching her do whatever whatever she was going to do. I was always happy when she was on screen. Sounds like a good time. You're gonna good if time. They, if they make a sequel, you're gonna watch it. Probably. I think I have to because you know it's Ghostbusters. All right. <laughs> and maybe they'll get it really right the next time when they do a sequel. Well, I'm glad it didn't uh, it didn't stomp out your childhood memories. No, no. It by no means did it stomp them out. It didn't uh, maybe do what I hoped it would do, but it was yeah. it was entertaining and I, <laughs> I enjoyed much of it. Speaking of childhoods, we are. Talking about meatballs. Meatballs. A movie that we saw when when we were children. We did. And Kids, so, anyway. I think some of this is going to be about 
comparing those uh, our impressions when we were younger yeah. to watching them with watching this movie with adult eyes. Yes. There was a lot of things that I was surprised by uh, my reaction as I watched it again recently. Yeah, um, like maybe, what? Maybe you felt that too. Um, the sexism. I guess, oh my god, the sexism! Yeah, I guess I've just. Oh my god, the sexism! It, as I've grown older, I have just seems like I've become more aware of yeah. or sensitive. Of I it. think we all, hopefully, I mean, we all are as a society becoming more aware. And there's things you can't quite pull off, like I, you know, Bill Murray playfully uh, sexually assaulting Kate. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Kate Lynch. Kate Lynch who plays Roxanne. Roxanne, who is great, and I loved her as well. Mm-hmm. And I checked her out recently, and she's she's as uh, lovely as ever, as she's whatever age she is now, and uh, still acting, I guess. And uh, but oh man, yeah, that scene, and you know, in the commentary, they say how well you know only Bill Murray could kind of pull that off, and she was like, you know, yeah, because you know she's sort of giving as good as she gets, and that's mm-hmm. and and you know, I guess that's true to a point, but it still was. I felt that very. I found that very uncomfortable. <laughs> I, did, I did too. Yeah, the thing about that scene too is um, Bill Murray's. Uh, physicality in that yes. scene is just so exaggerated. He is, is he is like literally launching himself. He at is her. he's oh he's like firing himself yeah. like a rocket at her, <laughs> <laughs> which is comic. I mean I understand that it's comic energy yeah. and he's going for it right. Yeah. So I mean I, I get that. Yeah, but um, but but. The, but Kate Lynch's reaction is just like she is she is trying so hard to avoid him. Yeah, uh, and that when he eventually like pins her down on the couch, yeah. it is just it is a touch uncomfortable. It's a touch uncomfortable, and it's not like she you know knocks him knocks him down or really pushes back right not that she should you know should have to but she just kind of sort of tries to talk her way out of it yeah. and sort yeah it's yeah it's it, that the whole scene wraps up nicely in a, in oh, it in a joke up, it I wraps think. up so, in a lovely joke they do yeah. come around to that <laughs> thank god yeah. yeah let's back up a moment okay so okay. we're talking about meatballs uh, i already said uh, ivan brightman's the uh, director yes uh, who else is involved with this um in the in the creative end i had some notes Oh, I do too. Yeah, they're buried here somewhere. Okay. The uh, Canadian Film Development Corporation and famous players were the uh, assisted <laughs> right? in the making of this film. Yeah. Now, Canadian Canadian what's that? CD CDF what are the acronyms? CFDC. CFDC. Okay. Kind of unwieldy. They would eventually be called uh, Telefilm Canada. Yes. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the writers, uh, Len Blum, uh, Daniel Goldberg, they're from uh, they're Canadians. Uh, Daniel Goldberg would go on to write the Hangover movies. Oh, excellent! Um, and Can- was Cannibal Girls uh, his co-production with, oh. with Ivan? Who was you mentioned? Dan Goldberg's name earlier. Yes. Uh, well, Cannibal, Cannibal Girls was not the one that they were uh, not the one that they were prosecuted for, but they did work together. Yeah, but they yeah they've been working together since, um, and since their university days. Janice Allen is another credited writer, but I, I didn't find out much about her. Okay. And then, of course, uh, the fourth writer, uh, fourth credited writer, is uh, Harold Ramis. The late great. Yes, uh, from uh, who hails from Chicago or hailed from Chicago? Did he indeed? I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. Uh, but then he was. Uh, I remember him quite prominently from uh, his days on SCTV. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, me too. Um, so it was made for a budget of one point six million Canadian dollars. Wow! And, and then would gross forty three million dollars. <laughs> Those are good proportions. Mm-hmm. It was filmed around Halliburton, Ontario. Yes, a on, camp there, on an actual camp. Camp something uh, it was called Camp North Star in the film, but it was called camp, it was actually Camp uh, Pines, White Pines, White Pines. Like that. that was it. White yeah. Pines. So, uh, it's the first headlining role for Bill Murray. Yes, that's right. After Saturday Night Live, this was his first film. Quite a coup for them. And he showed up. The commentary says that he they weren't sure if they had him for confirmed. He wouldn't really confirm. He wouldn't confirm. And then um, one of the other actors says that you know they they were running the lines. And then you know he just shows up on set. And and then they say, okay, well come on, let's 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 shoot this. And immediately, and like ten seconds later, he's he's filming with Bill Murray before he was really sure that <laughs> he was going to be filming with. So it was very last minute, but he did happily confirm. His performance in this is quite good. It's de- well, you know, his performance in this, def- I think, really defined. It makes Mo- Meatballs what it is. Like, can, mm-hmm. you, can you picture Meatballs with some other actor playing his role? And it's, it's. I mean, it could still, it would still be entertaining, and the heartwarming aspects. We'll talk about yeah. that, but it wouldn't be the same movie at all because it's really a Bill Murray performance that drives this. It is. It is, and and, it. and rightfully so. Like, yes. It is, yeah. It, Nothing it, bad about that. Yeah, but it has. Uh, I think it has that right mix of um, uh, of ironic yes. humor. And he has this like big brother quality. Yes, he does. He's not where, just a troublemaker for its own sake. Yeah, where he's he can he can joke about things, but you kind of feel safe that he's, yes, yeah, that even if he's a quality that I feel is, is often missing from this kind of thing, and mm-hmm. certainly later on, a lot of movies that obviously go way over the top 
in a lot of ways. And uh, this is more restrained. And his uh, yeah, his his rebel qualities and his you know tweaking everybody a little bit it works really well. But you're right, it works mm-hmm. well in the context of the whole the whole film provides a great uh, uh, a context for that. It is quite a sweet film. I mean, this is what I was surprised. Uh, I'm not sure why, I guess, because I was thinking of it in the context of things like uh, Porky's, which came just a little bit after. I think I think that style of comedy is certainly... Um, which was so well-reviewed on your... Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I didn't have to watch Porky's based on what I heard you guys discuss it. I would say it's certainly a film that no one needs to watch. No. <laughs> <laughs> Except for maybe uh, podcast his, historical author, research podcast, purposes. Uh, yeah. people. But if I can just take a uh, just take a side trip here, uh, the opening montage um, where they're preparing the camp, yeah, and then there's just like a lot of. I remember that it was a very funny opening, very high energy, uh, funny uh, yeah. opening. The, the, this, the, the theme song is or uh, the, the that title song, not yes. title song, not, it's not a title song. Not really, the title song, but it's the, the, the. Are you ready for the summer? The Are you ready for the summer song is playing. It's very, uh, it's, it's very kind of um, jaunty. Jaunty, is that right word for it? Yes, I'd yeah. say so. And then there's you see Pop people, peppy. You see people like painting um, the deck, and then there's a guy sleeping there. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has paint around him, and he has paint him, and he rolls yeah. off into and the ocean. And then these other guys are like trying to pr- fix a window in a door. But uh, the they, window keeps crashing. They, they yes. do How does side. that happen? I don't. That's that's very silly, but. But I thought it was really. Funny. But very funny. I I think those those kind of um, those like, like Keaton esque gags. Yeah, those, those, are great. those jokes. Those jokes I think are timeless. Yeah, yeah, and I just I like that montage. That Things going montage. wrong. Yeah. always is always funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the target of a lot of uh, the pranks that uh, Bill Murray's character Tripper. Um, yes. That's I didn't make a sentence out of that. Sorry. The pranks the Tripper. <laughs> so. Bill Murray's character Tripper. He's, Tripper. He's like he's a, a prankster. He is. Oh, he's totally a prankster. He's the, in every sense. Yeah. One of the main targets of his pranks is uh, the like the head of the of the camp. Yes. Uh, Morty. Morty. Yeah. Who, Mickey. Who he, he, <laughs> he gets everyone to to call him Mickey instead. It's uh, so funny and it's so sweet. Again, one example of this film that where it really ties things up nicely. At the start, it's a kind of a gag that he's uh, Bill Murray has has whispered in people's ear to uh, evidently to call him by the wrong name as a yeah. joke. And at the end of it, there's this huge crowd, and they call him. They say, "Hey, Mickey!" And it's and it's and it's a it's a it's a moment of, of warmth and of affection. Yeah, yeah. And it's that an inside is, joke at that point. I think it's him. something that you wouldn't get in uh, like if this was if Meatballs or, or a movie like it was made today, today, you wouldn't get such an innocent joke, so that innocent pranksterism. Yes, right. It would be something a bit more mean, a bit more humiliating. Yes, that and the comedy of humiliation is something I've you know never been entirely comfortable with and it does it has grown like a weed over the last you know what mm-hmm. 20 years and I, yeah it's it's just mean-spirited and I, I honestly don't know why it's become such a it's gained such currency because I, I don't like it but um, mm-hmm. you know, I like to think that it's still possible to do a more innocent kind of comedy people I think still react well to it you watch something like meatballs and it's in a way of its time but it still charms and it's still and it's it's about relationships between people and those kind of relationships you develop at, at summer camp and the real relationships mm-hmm. as opposed to these sort of over-the-top stylized Hollywood versions that you get with yeah. the mean humor and uh, I think that should still be something yeah. that we, we have. Uh, when you uh, when you mentioned Porky's earlier I think yeah. I mean movies like Porky's I think they were uh, inspired by Meatballs and the direction they took it was just to, to make it more Raunchier and more yeah. extreme. And I think supposedly it sold tickets. Well, but, I can understand yeah. that it sells tickets, but I think in the long haul, people still think more fondly back of, of Meatballs than mm-hmm. something like Porky's. I mean, there's no sex in, in Porky's in, uh, in Meatballs at all. There is one scene where they're in the canoe and, and uh, the, uh, what is his name, Spaz? Is I think uh, uh, ogling and admiring the uh, girl who's uh, laying <laughs> yes. in the canoe, yeah. and you know, but there's that's that's it, that's all we get, and that's mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, even there is uh, there is one sex scene um, which is implied between. Um, it's been the- heavily implied if I don't remember it now. Well, well, after the little ghost story at the campfire. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Roxanne and uh, and Tripper they run off. And there is there's a slow tracking shot along the ground where you see that. Oh, left oh, yes, of course. But, oh, that's because they're they're like skinny dipping and uh, yeah. and then well after there is a yes there is an implication that yeah is there an implication before that though because the, the some of the dialogue seems to suggest they're sort of enjoying the afterglow yes. when suddenly uh, is a tripper who says he says oh I gotta go take a swim I gotta um, possibly maybe I misremember I that. think you just 
there's you just wanted some sex in there. You were imagining. So I just like, I just big, I hot sex scene in, that yeah. they implied, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, fair enough. But yeah, it's always hotter in your, your imagination. It's always hotter in your imagination. Yeah, but it just I just thought it was interesting. Um, even the skinny dipping scene is just done oh, so totally chastely. chastely. Yeah. So uh, Ivan Reitman as a director, he seems he, he's holding back or he doesn't feel comfortable yet. It, that's possible going there because yeah. you know it, I mean. And that raises the question, how chaste does it have to be? How revealing does it have to be? I mean, they're skinny dipping. We know they're skinny dipping. Do we have to see everything? You know, no. I mean, we really don't. <laughs> and in a way, that takes away from just the the interaction that they're having because that, that they're, they're, they're talking. It's, it's really about two people, you know, talking to each other and interacting. And, and uh, that that's ultimately what the scene's about. So sex you know, should be maybe more sparingly used. There's a time for it. There's I'm not saying there's no time for a sex <laughs> scene. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's highly appropriate, but uh, mm-hmm. there it worked really well. The, again, the innocence. Well, let's talk about summer and summer camp. That seems to be a yeah. time for in this in in um, in the world of of these characters. It seems to be a time for making out. It does very much seem to be. It's even part of their song, I think, at the end. That's right. <laughs> in the one of the early scenes, the uh, the camp counselors are picking up the kids. Yes. And there's an interaction between one of the female counselors and and Tripper. Yes. Where she just says, "Hey, Tripper, I'm hoping." Oh yes. I'm hoping to get some action this summer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> pretty uh, pretty clear there. It's, yeah, it's right up there. Pretty clear. Yeah. Ironically, there's the two levels because it's also for the kids attending. I'm you know you're at an age where you're learning about sex and it's all very mysterious and a little scary and mm-hmm. the character says uh, the guys say about some girl who seems to be making eyes at, at them or their friend oh you know she really wants it you know not she wants you she wants it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when you become in a mature relationship it's about you want that person but then it's just about it's about we want to get some experience you know, some <laughs> sex with whoever will you know whoever will, will agree <laughs> and that's where you're kind of at it that's adolescent age right yeah, so it, yeah. it captures that but it captures that innocence too uh that, you know, yeah that sense of there's also uh an awareness of like budding sexuality or whatever yes like, among the um like there's a there's a scene where the uh the CITs, the counselors in training, they're being toured around the yeah. around the camp. Took me a while to figure out what CIT. Yeah, they don't make they it. Did, they didn't they say don't make it off. Like, counselor. <laughs> in, oh, I get. It. I can't. It, yeah. I, thankfully, I did. Figure. So, so Tripper's group of yeah. of, of male CITs, um, they're they're walking around, and he points out that cabin has like the the twelve year olds or something or twelve. Oh, he's pointing the first is the six year olds. This is yeah. the twelve year olds, and don't yeah, don't he, try any funny stuff. Yeah, he says <laughs> they have. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something to the effect of, uh, they have the motivation and the equipment, but not the experience. That's... <laughs> no. And then and then the female... I suppose nicely put. Uh, <laughs> the female counselors come around. Yes. And you remember what that, uh, what that head counselor says to one of uh, her girls? That's the jailbait. Yes, yes, that's right, <laughs> so, that's right. So there's this... Um, there's I a real awareness of this, this uh, proximity yeah. to, you know... And, and, and what's, what's, what's permissible in terms of uh, w- uh, what you might pursue and, and what's not yes yeah. uh, those lines are laid down pretty clearly yeah also I, I it made me think about um like how how authentic it might be to that whole um, like um camp counselor experience where I, you would expect uh people being trained to look after young people would have to be uh deliberately oh. told like yeah. you know there's there's and boundaries these, yeah. and these are the things you got to look out for I mean, these and days these... you have to have like you know a, a security check and uh fingerprints mm-hmm. and a blood sample but uh and whatever, but then um, one thinks that it was you know, it was more ca- more casual about that. But at the same time, it was that was clearly something that was in mind, and they they, they make yeah. that pretty clear. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that it was that was worked in there that awareness of yeah. of boundaries, but but also it's part of the humor that they yes. that they're kind of aware of raging hormones in the summer. Yeah, right? yeah, and it's yeah. acknowledged. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, interesting for me again. You, you any any movie that has any decent you know texture to it, you see it at different points in your life, and you see you, essentially you see a, a very different movie, which is something I have, I've found over the years to be you know interesting how true that is. Um, you know, now I'm a dad, so and I have a five year old, five and a half year old. So there's you know a few moments where they talk about the six year old, the can't the, the the six year olds, and these guys are just learning. All they do is uh, what do you say? He sums them up in a very cavalier way they do something and, and, and wet their beds and you got to teach them everything else and uh, <laughs> i forget what it is but you know but there's there's a brief little bit of, the, of these these little kids and you know it's like oh you know little, little kids about max's age and you know you have this sort of i have this sort of feeling of uh, affectionate father this fatherly sort of feeling mm. you know that yeah. when i was watching this when i was over 13 14 you know that was going to be a completely different experience they were just little kids and that was it so 
you know, you approach things differently uh, mm-hmm. you know, based on your life experience. And also remembering in another way, remembering my, you know, at that time in my life when I was the age of the older, the kids, you know, were, you know 13, 14, 15, whatever. And uh, obviously those, those struggles you, you go through and you're feeling things out in life. And uh, so you can, you know, can relate better. And, and from a perspective now of, you know, obviously getting past that. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to summer camp as a kid? You know, I didn't. Oh, okay. In a way, I never really wanted to. <laughs> no. My brother, my older brother had gone to camp, but uh, I was, I mean, maybe I was a little bit sheltered as a child, you know, and I lived kind of a close to home kind of life. And I mean, we, we did things. We went out, we went out, we went to camp, to you know, parks and, and, and hikes and things. But I was never sent to camp, although in retrospect, you know, I, I should have probably gone. I should have been sent to camp. It would have been a good experience for me. Because you do learn a lot about in a short time about uh, as they and they explicitly say I think in the uh, that or maybe it was I think it was in the commentary they were talking about how you learn how to make form relationships and how to deal with people that you don't get along with mm-hmm. uh, people you do get along with and a lot of social learning you know goes mm-hmm. on and you make maybe if you're lucky you make one or two you know good friends and uh, you have a lot of really good experiences that help form you as a person and uh, yeah I mean I got all that but it just was different and it maybe took longer and mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it would have been a good thing. But, I, think, uh, I think the expectation of sending kids to camp for that experience is that it is concentrated in that week yeah, or two weeks that you're there. Maybe two weeks. Um, and I see why people have, I kind of got it, I'm watching this movie, I think, you know, I get why people like the experience and they think fondly of the experience of summer camp right. and yeah, yeah, no, I could see why that is. But I didn't have that experience. Yeah. it's. I think for kids it's, um, it's, a, it's a way of of exercising some limited independence because yes. they're, they're not being watched by, by their parents, but they're still in a relatively safe environment. And they are being there are people yeah. in charge there, so to keep an eye on everything. But yeah, it is a first step of independence, very yeah. much. I went, to, I went to a summer camp one yeah. year. How um, was that? How it, was, it was not like meatballs. <laughs> you don't say. There wasn't no. some hilarious guy who was pulling pranks and everyone and teaching life lessons no but there was there was certainly a diff there was um a lot of different characters uh, i'm sure I, there I were. met uh, i met a lot of uh people that i hadn't been exposed to before yeah but the thing is um the circumstances where i ended up going um i registered for it late okay my um, high school counselor told me about uh this camp that um that he helped run, uh-huh. um, and there was uh, there was some leftover spots that need that need filling. So he asked me if I'd be interested in going, and I didn't have any plans, so I'd sign up for it without the uh, foreknowledge that it was a Christian camp. <gasps> okay. So, <laughs> well, it might still be fun, but it's it was, certainly it was not, still maybe fun. not what you expect. It was still fun, but it, and, and and it was definitely a new experience for me. Yeah. But every every morning, the um, the sort of wake up call was um, shiny happy people. Oh, speakers. Wow. Okay. So well, they're a pretty hip Christian camp then. Yeah, but you know all that sort of. Um, it wasn't a, very uh, a very hymn. safe music, right? But very safe pop music. Of course, that we were exposed to all that. Oh, and there was there was there was um, there's uh, um, evening prayers and, uh, yeah, sure. and that sort of thing. So I imagine. Yeah, and and we had we had sessions where we all sat together and, and pin the tail on the heathen. Things. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they talked about faith and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it well, was I mean, it was not something that I was able to immediately empathize with. But no. But in retrospect, did you find? Do you feel like it was a good experience for you? Oh, yeah, it was. It was fun. Yeah, it was yeah. again. It was uh, you know that chance to be away from the people who usually look after you. Yes, and yes. And, and and sort of um, um, stretch your uh, your your social skills a little yeah. bit with other people. So yeah, it was good. That's good. Yeah. Um, so so my camp experience was neither meatballs nor Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. Well, I don't want especially. Yeah. <laughs> I think hopefully, yeah, most people's experiences hopefully is not Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, I do remember like getting up one night, Camp Crystal Lake, and uh, and just like curious about how dark the woods got. Oh yeah, and, and so I, I went outside the cabin yeah. one night in the like uh, in the middle of the night. Oh yeah, just to see what it was like. And sure, in, in my boy. mind, yeah, in my mind, um, I felt that there was like this eerie blue light. Uh, mm. that I, you know, there may have been a moon out or not, but I'm wondering. Um, just uh just just a feeling of like yeah. of like stillness and quiet and yeah. and, a, and and a, and a, and a light a quality of light that i hadn't seen before which kind of freaked me out so i went back to bed <laughs> it's like okay that's enough of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that is something you don't get in the i mean that you only get in that environment which is yeah. unique yeah let's talk about rudy he comes with his own sensitive theme music 
Okay, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I you know, do, do you think we need to do any sort of um, like, uh, a capsule? Capsule. Like, here's what the story's about. Or? Well, how far in are we now? If we haven't done it, we haven't done it by now. Well, we're, we're thirty minutes. In. We're thirty minutes in, so yeah. if we we're still waiting to. We, well, is it kind of Rudy's story a little bit? I mean, if we talk about Rudy, you know, in a sense, it it, it becomes it becomes that. Mm-hmm. Although it's in, interestingly, they filmed some scenes uh, after the fact when they realized that the the stuff with Rudy was like really good and that they needed but they needed more of his story in a sense there are somewhat the cliche characters there's the geeky kid there's the there's the, the overweight kid mm-hmm. and there's the lonely kid is rudy and uh again in commentary they talk about things that are sort of evident on uh, under the surface if you're watching like that rudy doesn't have a, a mom his mom is uh is not in the picture it's, it's just his dad who drops him off in the context of the story i think yeah, i think his mom has passed away and he only has the that only has the dad. He's just, it's a single, or just, or but possibly just, just divorced. Either way, no mom in the picture. Right. So, and the dad is maybe struggling a bit to be able to, you know, pay for camp. It wants wants him to go. And right. There's little hints of that. Rudy, played by uh, Chris Makepeace. Um, yes, Chris Makepeace, who went, who uh, is a name I know. He must have gone on to do uh, or some of this. I'm sure he continued working. You, the the main know? the main movie that I remember him in is uh, My Bodyguard. Oh, okay, <laughs> yes, which is also kind of an '80s classic now, yeah. I guess. But, <laughs> but he certainly uh, did go on to. Uh, and, uh, yeah. You know, quite a good a good career, and yeah, yeah. So he plays the the uh, the depressed kid. The yes. kind of he's, he starts out as sort of a loner. He's a loner. And, he's and a then Tripper he's takes him under his wing a little yes. bit. Yes, yeah. and if any if there's an arc to the film, uh, that's one of the big ones uh, in the end. Yeah, uh, Rudy um, sort of developing his self esteem and yes. learning to make friends. Yeah, and uh, and the, by the end, having a chance to really uh, redeem himself in a way that makes him a bit of a hero mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. into something that's. It's I mean, not really an important thing, but is it's a, it's their Olympic competition, and it's a little bit you know r- friendly rivalry, but it comes down to him versus this older, taller mm-hmm. guy who's doing this marathon in the, uh, through the woods, and uh, yeah, it's a, will he make it? It's it's a good uh, suspense. It was good uh, action, even though like you know probably he's gonna win because <laughs> I mean it would be kind of it would kind of suck if he <laughs> doesn't win and he loses at the end of all this and his self esteem is crushed once and for all. But you know, that's not gonna happen. But still, but I, I still feel I still feel good when he crosses the finish you line. You feel good. Like, you feel great when he crosses the finish line. Yeah. So yeah. It felt like the heart of the movie is the interaction between Rudy and Tripper. It right? is. Yeah. Um, so Rudy needs um, a father figure or, or, a, big, or a big brother type a of person. A big brother, perhaps more of a big yeah. brother figure. Yeah. That can be different than his dad. Yeah. And these, and these scenes give uh, Bill Murray a chance to show um, a real... A more sensitive side. Yeah, um, he's he's very caring, even though he's still like making jokes. Oh, he's he never totally lets the the guard the facade no. down, but he he lets it he lets it slip enough that mm-hmm. you 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 feel yeah. like he's a real yeah person. He has he cares. But I like his I like his scenes, whether whether it's uh, from the script or whether it was improvised. I like that he isn't condescending to Rudy. Like he, no, never. Yeah, never. he he talks or anyone to him. really. Well, no, not yeah. That's that's true too, but. Um, but where you have a scene, we have a we have a, a moment where it could be an adult talking down to a child. Yeah, um, you know, he could he could be he could offer like pat life advice or be well, dismissive about this. And that. True. But he just he just cracks jokes with them. He makes them feel like you know they're, they're just pals. And he cracks jokes in a way that, in a way, it, it's weird. It's almost like a Zen sort of not saying the thing that you know. He, he he wants to say by doing the opposite like and he's going to run away and he's in the Greyhound station and he just kind of goes with it he says oh yeah well you know and he rolls with it and also almost in a way of accepting it like he's totally going to yeah you really want to you know pack well for that and he, he like like he's going with it but you know he's not and I can't remember specifically what he says but it, it reads as you know it, it, it allows him to to be a confidant to him and not mm-hmm. be the adult who is saying no you shouldn't do this or to moralize in any way uh, but by not moralizing and not and not uh, falling into that, he is able to really connect with with Rudy, mm-hmm. and 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 he's able to re- kind of reach him and and convince him to you know not to to hop on that Greyhound bus. So yeah. it's quite touching. Yeah, and, and and in that way, I just it almost feels like it. Like early on, we see a very subtle performance from Bill Murray. Yeah, which, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, and he went on has gone on obviously you know to do all kinds of of uh, roles that are very much not uh, his original you know comic persona mm-hmm. although it's always a bit there which is what we I guess we all you know, love about Bill Murray but uh, do you remember the, uh, the was it The Racer's Edge? I ever I never saw series, I never saw it either but it was like these and that was fairly early on it was only a few movies after Meatballs as I recall or early yeah. mid 80s and you know, it was like the serious drama with uh, Bill Murray yeah and, I remember uh, the ads for it I remember it getting a bit of a ribbing I think from critics who <laughs> felt he was maybe sort of overreaching it's like oh uh, Bill Murray can't do drama uh, <laughs> but he has clearly proven 
prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's one to check out as a curiosity at some point. Uh, for the Razor's Edge, what I think I should. Yeah, eventually, I think I yeah. should. But here he's fully in his uh, in his persona of the wisecracking, uh, rebel, rebellious, yet ultimately sort of you know kind-hearted mm-hmm. guy, and he does pull that off very well. And there's also some discussion and commentary on the film about the last scene with Kate Lynch, and where he really does have to kind of really even a little more let his guard down about you know are we going to be you know, living together, and and uh, it's that's a quite a sensitive moment at least for him, and he pulls that off very well too. Yeah. Kate Lynch. Kate Lynch, she has she is a great foil for Bill Murray. She is, and I I like the way that that the movie uses her. Yes, it, that there's a, there's a couple things that are, are unexpected. I thought uh, Kate Lynch, by the way, uh-huh. did I write anything about Kate Lynch? So Kate, Lynch, Kate Lynch is great. There yeah, is. so she's a Canadian actress. Um, yes. She recently was in the Degrassi Next Generation. Okay, yeah. I didn't have so she to look her so up. she continues working. Oh, good. When she's initially introduced. Um, there's like a there's a, a bratty kid who's complaining about uh, about the buses and Morty says like Roxanne take care of this guy oh okay right and she comes in and shuts the kid up and just drags him off <laughs> and the way that she's introduced in my mind I thought oh that's gonna be the lesbian counselor ah uh, okay right. if we were gonna be going for those tropes and cliches. yeah it, it was gonna be a, it was gonna be a complete stereotype yes like, that was gonna be like that mean woman uh, who, yes. right who just comes in and takes care of business yeah turns out I'm completely wrong oh good she's yes. the love interest in the movie indeed which is yeah. is awesome it's yeah. totally uh, real and not cliched at all and she she's not uh, a cookie cutter type that you would expect you know Hollywood casting to put as the love interest mm-hmm. which is great it makes it even more yeah relatable and endearing Um yeah, and and even yeah. one of the, one of the other characters when he's like asking, oh sorry, it's um, it's Rudy who's who's asking uh, Bill Murray, do you do you like her? Uh, and Bill Murray's kind of like <laughs> skirting the issue a little bit. Yes, and he just, and Rudy just offers, I like her. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think that's great that people that that the males in the movie yes. are just reacting to like this cool female. Yes, and they just like her as a as a person. She's yeah. she's she's a nice person, and we we like her too. I think as clearly as the audience. Um, they say again in commentary that they were they originally it was written as a uh, her character was written as somebody who's very sort of uh, real bad attitude and is very sort of giving Bill Murray a lot of guff and is not is is, is uh, really resistant to everything and it's kind of un, in a way unlikable she's really kind of shut down and mm. and he has to kind of try to you know get across this barrier of her personality and Kate Lynch apparently was the one who said that that's that's totally in 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 auditions that's just wrong that's not who this character is. She has to be somebody we, we have to like her, you know. Mm-hmm. She can't be somebody who's who's so resistant to everything and right. just shutting everyone down that she's totally unlikable. And you know, they said, "Oh yeah, well, she comedy was a, this. She knows comedy. She knows she knows what it's about." And and of course, she wound up getting the role of playing it playing it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a film pers- uh, like technical film perspective, there's some interesting use of wipes and old fashioned uh, <laughs> old fashioned wipes. There's one like a clock wipe they use to show time passing. And I'm like, hmm, 1979, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like an old school thing. And I'm just curious to why they, you know, wonder why they did that. Later on, there are there are also wipes to show uh, different events in the Olympics. And mm. I thought, but they go in one direction, and then later they go in another direction. I'm thinking, oh, is there, is there some thematic, uh, you know, underpinning to, you know, it's going, it's going into the, like, maybe when the team is starting to do well, it goes the other way, but then, no, then it went the other way again, so there was no, there was no rhyme or reason to oh, okay. the direction of the wipes. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't seeing any sort of pattern about um, yeah. any deliberate um, uh, style of the wipes. But, no, there yeah. wasn't, I think it was but I th- a lot of movies, ad hoc. I, I wonder if it was just, like, the advent of, like, uh, uh, of um, like video technology, it just made it easier to do those kinds of transitions, and... I, I don't think so, because those are things that date back to old-school movies from the 30s, 40s. It was probably still just the old, the classic method of doing it. Yeah. Another uh, classical element, the music by oh, Elmer, Elmer Bernstein. Elmer Bernstein, one yeah. of the great old-school uh, film composers. Yeah. One of the big names. That's right, and a Ghostbusters uh, connection. So he would do uh, the music for a lot of uh, the movies by Ivan Reitman and uh, we did Stripes as well and Ghostbusters for and sure. Ghostbusters. Yeah. He brings a a very classical type of orchestration to it sometimes. He does. He does. But in this one, he also I think he's is he trying to be a bit more uh, to, to fit sort of the the atmosphere of the movie a bit more a bit more poppy? Do you think? 
I don't know. I mean, the, the poppy element to me is not so much the instrumental score as this, you know, these songs, which I was also completely surprised at that. Oh, wow, there's all these like original pop songs in this film that I didn't remember that either from mm-hmm. having seen it originally. And, and they're, you know, they're pretty good. And the one sort of romantic uh, song is, uh, was uh, quite lovely. And, uh, and there's Are You Ready for the Summer, which some people apparently love and some hate, but... Uh, I think it's totally memorable. It's very memorable. Yeah. And those are co-written by um, um, was it uh, Gimbel, uh, Norman Gimbel, who, as a studious uh, credits reader, even when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I know that Norman Gimbel and Charles Fox wrote the theme to Happy Days, and mm-hmm. as well as Lutheran and Shirley, and a lot of other stuff. Oh, okay. So, that's, so he was an experienced, you know, That's where that's theme coming from, pop those, guy. those catchy... The catchy jingle-type jingles, songs yeah, are, right. I think, Norman Gimbel, uh, a lot of that is Norman Gimbel. And, uh, Gimbel jingles. Gimbal jingles. <laughs> yeah. I, must, I have to mention Rick Dees singing the Meatballs song, who was most famous for vocalizing Disco Duck. <laughs> I do remember um, he would have like the, the weekend countdown show on the radio. Yes, he was a DJ, and, uh, and he also sang Disco Duck, which I have always uh, personally loved. People mock that song and ridicule that song, but uh, <laughs> it's darn catchy, and it's poking fun at disco, really, and uh, I'm uh, unabashedly a fan of Disco Duck, so for the record. Let it be noted. Let it be noted. Now it's, it's official now. Sometimes the music seemed a little bit to shift a little bit, like, clunkily. Like, suddenly mm-hmm. it sort of, sort of starts in a way that perhaps could have been maybe a little more integrated, the way even, mm-hmm. or even the instrumental themes, which were, were, were great, but they sort of seem to start right bang on a little bit as the scene starts. Like, yeah. now it's the music. Yeah, well, like, the, there's, a, there's the music cue for some of the characters. And certainly, uh, did I mention that Rudy brings his own, uh, in his suitcase, he apparently packed a tender uh, theme of loneliness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he unpacks that every time we see him. So uh, yeah. early on, it's, it's, it's quite noticeable to me that, uh, you know, here's Rudy. Oh, sad music. He's so sad. <laughs> and I mean, it's fine. And he is. And, but it was a little, perhaps, the, way, the use of it was a little, a little on the nose. But uh, I think for a movie that uh, you kind of have to be able to read immediately what the, yeah, what the tone is. Which is what they're trying is. to, to yeah. do. So. Yeah, that works. <laughs> and a lot of I know a lot of uh, yes, a lot of Ron B- Burgundy uh, Anchorman style uh, facial hair and curls all over the place uh, from various people. Not necessarily the main actors, but a lot of the other uh, people, like the guys who were uh, roughing uh, or sort of harassing uh, um, Spaz when he's going to the store to get a milkshake. Oh, the Camp Mohawk guys. Is it the Camp Mohawk oh. guys? A lot of the Camp Mohawk guys have not Mohawks, ironically enough. <laughs> <laughs> but real big curly curly froze and, and those big mustaches yeah. it's like yeah it's 1979 alright uh, that's all I gotta say about that well froze to froze and <laughs> froze to froze <laughs> and oh and uh, talking about political correctness and incorrectness I mean we've we've, we've discussed the um, uh, Bill Murray pinning uh, Kate Lynch onto the couch right and uh, that was a little uncomfortable yeah how do you feel feel about the scene where where Spaz and Fink go to spy on the girls? Oh, Fink is the, the, He's the, the kid. kid. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's... I think they handle it well. It's, I mean, let's face it, it's the kind of thing that, you know, they might they might do. Probably. Want to do. Yeah. And uh, being, it not being porkies, again, it's they're just reading, reading out of uh, romantic novels. But uh, you get the kind of thrill they would get from trying to, you know, is it politically incorrect or is it sexist that they're, they're doing I don't know. This? I, I don't know. I was I was thinking, how would you do that scene today, right? Because oh, that, because it's a good question. Because if you did it today, the kids would be armed with cell phones. <laughs> oh, that they well, yes, they yeah. would. Okay. Exactly, they'd be trying uh, to take. They would have out. technology. Yeah. They'd have the technology. Wouldn't have to probably sneak under the. Yeah, the, I, I guess. I guess. Um, I guess watching it this time around. What was in what was on my mind was yeah. privacy. Is it a, is it a violation of the girl's privacy? Oh, very much. Yeah, um, but in but that's in, sort of the nature of the of the of the quest is to violate their privacy and sure, then watch but, them. Yeah, it's it's to it's the hope of getting some insider knowledge that yes. like, glimpsing this this world that that is a mystery, right? It the, is the, exactly, the, the and they're, they're just curious yeah. and yeah. and you know sexually frustrated yeah. and. Uh, I think the scene is it, it plays out fine. It plays out fine, yeah. especially because the power is shifted mm-hmm. uh, in appropriate in an appropriate way that they the you know the girls totally yeah. have get their uh, get their right yeah on, they turn the, the tables they turn the tables yeah. which is good effectively the, yeah um, watching it I just was thinking that scene plays as well as it does only sort of in its in its time like, well yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you could 
maybe pull it off the same way no. today. Uh, but don't people still, would people not still think to, you know, pull a stunt like that? I mean, Oh, I think it would. It yeah. would. It's just, so uh, it's, it's just, if you, how would you, yeah, how to, how to play it today so that it is so uh, fair to both, fair to both sides or and not so creepy yeah. or, or, um, or just not criminal. Not criminal. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Hey, what happens at camp stays at camp. <laughs> <laughs> like there was a time when what you did as a kid, it was just like it was it was it was useful hijinks. hijinks yeah. Yes, and then some to some degree that's not the case anymore. No, now it is just a uh, you know at, to to what degree is it a criminal activity? Is yeah, it, yeah. Is it yeah. a juvenile criminal or an adult criminal? That's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe maybe camp just isn't what it used to be. I'm sure it's not. I wonder how, I mean, you know, to me, I always look for the similarities when I'm watching either you know, old movies or looking at culture as it's changed over the decades. And often people think it's a totally different, but I'm always looking for the things that are the same. Mm. And certainly I think a lot of the experience of camp, I would imagine, you know, expert that I am having never been to camp, uh, but uh, is, is similar because it's a similar kind of rite of passage. And a lot of those things are the same, but how they play out in the details, of course, are probably different. Hopefully, you know, most camps, you don't have cell phones or, or they're banned or they're, or you're out of reach of anything, any data or service. So you have to be, you know, isolated because it's the isolation that's that kind of key to the experience. Think. I think yeah, embracing your, uh, embrace your environment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, political incorrectness comes up again, rears its uh, its ugly head in uh, the uh, the tomahawks that are wielded by the uh, cheerleaders <laughs> of the Mohawks. Right. Yeah, they're they're waving those things. They actually have actual you know prop tomahawks that they're they're waving around, and uh, and uh, that's yeah that, that that would probably not happen now. Probably wouldn't fly on uh, like if uh, like a mainstream movie being being passed through a committee of people to uh, somebody lawyers would, and would mix yeah. that. Although right. there's uh, well, it's still an issue that's I mean it's with us today in terms of the debate because there's the, was it the baseball team that or a football team or some sort of sports team. Team. some some sporting yeah. you know I'm I'm not a sports guy so some sport team that has the you know it was the Redskins uh, the uh, yeah. the Miami. Redskins. I think it was the Redskins. Yeah. Have they changed their name or changed their mascot? Or I, there was pressure to do that. I, I caught wind of uh, some of that controversy, but I didn't follow it because yeah. uh, I don't care that much. But. No, I mean frankly, funny either. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's something that people do get that get rightly. I'm sure. You know, yeah. Or to, to clarify, I mean not that I don't care about the issue. I just don't care about sports teams. Oh yeah, no, yeah. me neither. Me neither. <laughs> That's why this is not a sports podcast. It's a movie <laughs> podcast. Do we not do, need to start? Heading into the home stretch. Yeah, Adam, we usually wrap up our um, talks about movies by turning to uh, our recurring segments. Uh, okay. The first of which is uh, what makes it Canadian, where we try to just yes. identify little touches that uh, that reveal that it was made in Canada. Oh. I'm thinking of an American audience, you know, probably not catch some of these things, but they're there. And as a Cana- as Canadians, we you know we immediately go, oh, oh, there it is. There's something Canadian. Like uh, there's like you know, someone's wearing a Habs T-shirt and there's a Blue Jays cap someone has on at oh, the, uh, oh. in the crowd early on. Yeah. These are you know things that uh, to us I think identify that as you know a little bit of Canadian texture. Ah, yeah. Well, I think I read somewhere though that um, in a lot of the crowd scenes, it yeah. is actual campers and their parents who are yes, it is extras. So I, so maybe they well it's not they weren't intentional, checked. but yeah, they weren't checked have. for their wardrobe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Take off that Yankees cap, young man. Get yeah. here, have this instead. But uh, yeah, well, actually, they filmed because of for budgetary reasons instead of taking uh, over the camp uh, after it was you know being used by the real campers and and bringing in a lot of extras and a lot of you know parents and kids to recreate this stuff they actually did film uh, a lot of those or basically I guess all those scenes with the you know the big the large the, the cross section of all the campers uh, with the real ca- uh, real camp right while real the campers while camp was just doing while it was, the business that's yeah. right they did yeah. which makes it also adds you know verisimilitude and you know reality to it there's <laughs> a word I like to use when I can verisimilitude it's very long. That's it's a, very that's a, it's very syllabic. It's a five word. <laughs> it's not monosyllabic either. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that, it's hard to say because I imagine summer camp. The summer camp vibe is pretty universal. Pretty, pretty universal. Yeah. At least pretty, for like that, uh, what we picture like that North American. That that kind of summer camp. Yeah, for sure. I I also feel like it didn't identify it. Nothing was like glaringly like made in Canada. Not glaringly. Just, Nobody felt... shouting at a hockey game. No, no. It just like yeah. It just it just felt like a <laughs> like one of those timeless summers. It in, really does in uh, in a timeless uh, North American um, yeah. location. That's right. Yeah. And I think that works well. I don't think there's any need for it mm-hmm. to be expressly uh, Canadian. Yeah. 
uh, we go to our made up an arbitrary rating system. I noticed that. I was curious about that, and I I don't want to say that. I, I, I it's your podcast. I can't tell you what to do. But uh, if I feel like the rating system would be if it's intended to be useful, which mm-hmm. I perhaps is not. It's more of a of a, of a feeling about the film because it was actually useful. We would have you know. I'm like a database computer sure. coding guy, so right. I always want you things want to, to be standardized. I want numbers. I want, give I, want a chart. I want a statistical you know reference points and uh, comparability in a spreadsheet. And you can't do that with three, with our with our three leaves system. out of ten million. Or no, no, I know it's it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But I I, I defer to you on this. Well, we could uh, we could defer to uh, Bill Murray in the movie uh, in our rating system. How so? It just doesn't. It just doesn't matter. matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Which I think is your rating system, really, when it comes right down to it. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're going to wrap up this talk of meatballs. Thanks for joining me, Adam. Very well. Can I can I quickly plug my uh, show coming up? Please do. Uh, What's going I'm on? A on your, What's on your calendar? Then? Well, on my calendar, literally right here, is uh, the 18th of August. That's a Thursday night at the uh, at the uh, Seven Dining Lounge on West Broadway. I am performing in uh, a lip sync battle for charity, and it's uh, for a very good cause. And uh, we are going to be performing a number of classic songs, including some from the era of meatballs, mm-hmm. and in uh, and staging them. Although lip syncing we're staging them in a very very humorous highly humorous manner and it's going to be very entertaining and it's also for as i mentioned a really good cause i believe uh i, I don't know the specific cause but it's a group uh that uh, raises funds for various uh charities and uh so you can feel good while you're laughing if you're able to come on down that's great now is there any is there a website associated with that uh there isn't at the moment but if you if you go to you know what if you go to adamabrams.com my website i will post something about it by the time this podcast hits the air all right. That's my pledge and my promise. Okay. Uh, speaking of websites, our website, and you can lip sync along to this, uh, our <laughs> website is filmedincanada.net. You can email us at filmedincanada at gmail.com or fill out the um, uh, little comments box on our website. You'll find links to our other episodes. Uh, you can find us on the iTunes store. Um, and we welcome your feedback and hope you'll join us again for another talk. As listeners, I hope you'll listen. Adam, I hope you'll join us for a talk. I'm delighted to have been invited, and I look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Okay. All right. 